little bit of housekeeping. Just want to thank the organizers of this conference who have been working so tirelessly for so many months. We think of Jacinta at Grace Bible. Thank you, Jacinta. There you go. Come on, see. <laughs> Looking mighty nice, I might ask. So thank you for that. Um, might add, I guess I should say. We thank you for Carol. Thank you, Carol, from Halls Ferry Christian Church. You also look nice. I guess I need to say that now to everybody I see today. You, you look great. Um, and we also want to thank Diane Berry from Chatham Bible Church. Diane. We will have other thank yous throughout the day, uh, but for now I just wanted to tell you a couple things that the team wanted me to let you know. So each of you have received these folders. Uh, if you'll notice, you either have an A or a B on your folder, and that's for our activity jewelry time. So if you are in group A, you get that opportunity to make jewelry this morning at 11 in the gym. And if you're group B, you get the opportunity to work on something this afternoon, I think at 1.15, also in the gym. So pay attention to that if you'd like to do it. There's also a fellowship room upstairs here at the church. So if you go out the sanctuary to the right and you go towards the gym, right before you go into the gym, right after the selfie station, which I'll talk about in a minute, uh, there's a staircase that you can go up to, and there will be refreshments and just a place for you to sit and visit and have some quieter time if you'd like. Another really important aspect of the day is bathrooms, right? So let me tell you, we have three different places here at Chatham where you can use the facilities. Right outside the sanctuary to the right is a wheelchair-accessible facility for anyone who needs it. And then if you go towards the gym, Right where the hallway elbows to the left, right in that corner is our main women's bathroom for anybody to use. And then there's one off the gym, too, in the corner next to the kitchen. So we wanted to make sure that you all knew about that. And I will say we do have a selfie station. Many of you saw it, so that's very exciting. So please utilize that if you want to take a picture with the ladies you came with today. And also, we are interested in getting some group shots and some, some shots throughout the day. So we wanted to let you know that there is a chance some of those may be posted on social media. Now, if you're not comfortable with you being posted on social media, please let myself or one of the team know so that we can make a note of it and honor your request of not being put online. I myself want to be put all over the place. So <laughs> just me, please. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, um, I think that's all I have. So now I get to introduce our very first speaker. Let me bring her, her little bio up to you. Now I want to tell you too in these folders, uh, there's a place for each of these talks for you to take notes and follow along. And there are more, are more extensive bios of each of our speakers in this folder as well. And one other thing, we have this wonderful booklet called God's Love Better Than Unconditional. That's a gift to you to help you along in your spiritual walk. Okay, so let me introduce our first speaker, Carol Stein from Halls Ferry Christian Church. Carol says that the best thing about her is that Jesus saved her and that he loves her. She will celebrate her 50th wedding anniversary later this month. She has four children and they are the proud grandparents of 10 grandchildren. Well done. 
Carol has a degree in Christian ministry and has put that to good use. She has served alongside her husband in Arkansas, Missouri, Idaho, and they spent 20 years in Mexico, where her husband Terry was the director of Ninos de Mexico, a rescue mission for abandoned and orphaned children. While there, Carol established a K-12 school for Ninos de Mexico children, and she served as the director. Terry and Carol moved to Florissant in 2016 when he became the president of St. Louis Christian College. Carol is a busy woman. She is a speaker, Bible teacher, Bible study writer and leader, adjunct professor. You're making me tired. (laughs) And the author of The Women Speak, a study used online by Zondervan Publishing Company. I love this about Carol. She says, I love the church and I love my family. She loves to encourage and counsel women, practice hospitality, and most importantly, she loves to pray and trust God in everything. Carol's contact information is located at the check-in table if you'd like to reach out to her after this. Welcome, Carol. We're excited to hear from you. You have no idea how excited I am to be first then I get to enjoy the rest of the day. (laughs) Sorry, Cecilia, Sarah. (laughs) I have been so privileged to work with Jacinta and Diane. I had no idea uh, how much fun that would be, and it was great when we finally got to meet each other in person the other night when we put together notebooks because we were on Zoom for a few months and uh, did all this online, and uh, it's been exciting to be a part of that team. And then I appreciate so much the, the church here who has taken a big old chunk of the load here and provided our place to worship and uh, put, helped put things together in a way that is, has just been beautiful this morning. Um, I'm also honored to be one of the three speakers. Uh, Cecilia and Sarah, I know, are going to have wonderful uh, messages for us, and I know that God has put this all together. And um, I just thank you for coming and for uh, being with us today. Our theme comes rooted in in, uh, love, comes from the Apostle Paul. And I'd like to read two scriptures where this comes from. Uh, First, Ephesians 3, 17 through 14. He writes to the Ephesian church, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, as I've prepared this talk, I have wanted to run down so many bunny trails And uh, this is one I'm going to run down, because I want to say this again. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Let that sink in. Ladies, we are all related. We are related not only by the blood of Christ that God shed for us, not only by our sisterhood in the church spiritually, but we are related because we are all created by one God and one Father, and we have one Father, and we are all true sisters. And I am so excited about that, and I want us to celebrate that today. 
Uh, we don't have to change ourselves to be sisters. We are sisters because God created us that way. And he loves us. And he is sharing and being very transparent with us. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all fullness of God. If I stopped right now and sat down and said, think about this for 30 minutes, I would probably be doing you a favor. <laughs> but let's move on, uh, because I also want to share Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. I want you to know as I get started that there may be burdens in this room uh, that each one of you may have come with something on your heart or on your mind that occupies, uh, occupies a lot of your energy and your thoughts and your heart. And I would like you, for this few moments, to somewhere in your folder, maybe on the back page, just write down a word. Just take a second right now. Write down a word or a name or whatever would signify that burden that you're carrying today. Now, if you are not carrying any burden, if there's not anything that is constantly on your prayer list that you walk around and think about occasionally or many times during the day, but just put praise the Lord. <laughs> and we'll talk to you later and see how you do that. Uh, but just do that. Just write it down somewhere. Just a word, a name. And as you do that, uh, I want you to then... Turn your folder back to the page you want to be on for the notes, if you care to do that. And uh, just leave it there on the back page for a few minutes. And just take a deep breath. And let's think about what God is telling us when he says to be rooted in love. I'm excited about this subject because it is simply too important to misunderstand we tend to read over phrases like this, rooted in love, because they're familiar or they're embedded in a really strong teaching like this one is that claims our attention. But let's now dig into, pun intended, dig into rooted in love. A lot of the Bible teachings are related to agriculture. It was an agricultural society. So we're familiar with the seeds in the field and uh, fruit trees that don't bear fruit. Um, but I hope we can hear what God has to say today to us to allow him to work powerfully in our hearts and our lives the way Paul says he will. When we talk about rooted and roots, my mind goes back to my childhood 
I was raised on a farm in Missouri. My parents were hard workers. Um, we went to church occasionally when I was little, and I have memories of my first experiences in Sunday school in a little church uh, out in the country near where we lived, and I simply remember loving it. I just loved it. And my mom tells me that I used to beg her to take us to church. Uh, later, when I was around 10, my parents attended a revival and uh, became strong Christians and became very active in church. I eventually went to Bible college where I met my husband. But the thing about my upbringing is that I was close to the soil. I like these Bible metaphors. They are meaningful to me. My grandmother and my parents had a greenhouse. And I remember as from very young sitting on a wooden box that my grandpa had made, that my, my grandma had put padding over the top of it. And they would take flats of dirt that were about this big and about this high, and they would make several rows, and they would seed those rows thickly with seed. And about 10 days later, there'd be all these little bushy plants about this high. And then we would take them and carefully dig out a chunk of those seedlings and plant them in individual little packets like we see at Walmart or, Hall or Home Depot now. That's what we were doing back when I was little. But there's one thing about my German grandma. She was very picky. <clears throat> she was picky about how I handled that plant, that I didn't hurt the roots. And she was very observant of how the roots looked when we put them in the ground so that it would be a strong plant. And it was so delicate, we had to be careful when we pulled them apart. But roots are really interesting. Um, I did a little research on roots, and I learned some things that helped me understand maybe why God used this wording. First, roots are robust. Sometimes they grow bigger underground. The formation of the roots underground is bigger than the plant on top. They can grow hundreds of feet into the ground depending on the, the plant or the tree or the bush. And these roots stabilize the plant in the ground and hold it fast to the ground so that the tree is immovable. Have you ever tried to dig out a dandelion? I mean, those things go forever. That's how we should be in Christ. We should be unmovable, steadfast, faithful in our belief and in the love Paul talks about. The roots have many functions. Of course, we understand it pulls in nutrients and water to help the plant grow. But simply, uh, water and nutrients is not all there is to it. If the roots happen to be close enough to other plants of the same kind, they have a God-given, now scientists think it's, you know, evolved, but uh, God, I think, gave them this ability to communicate. And so if a plant happens to be under attack by a pest, like aphids or something, the plant sends out a message by way of a fungus that goes to the roots of nearby plants and alerts them that there is danger, and the nearby plants immediately start putting out a substance or a chemical 
that that particular pest, say if it's aphids, doesn't like to ward them away. I was fascinated by this when I got to studying about roots. You know what? When we're rooted with God and other Christians, we are stronger together than we are apart. And we connect with each other in a way that helps us ward off Satan's attacks. We can't do it alone. We need each other. We need that interconnectedness. And then interesting, I really didn't realize this, but the roots grow from the tip. And at the end of each little root is a hard light helmet type of a thing that grows on. We can't even see it with our eyes. It's like a little auger, and that's what gives it the strength to dig through the dirt. Who'd have thought? Rooted and built up in Christ, we are equipped to take on hard things. We are equipped to follow the path that the Lord has for us. Sometimes roots left in the ground will continue to draw water and nutrients out of the ground. We had a, a, the guy that uh, does the Saturday morning garden show. I forget his name. He, we had him come out when we first moved to St. Louis to look at our yard and tell us what we needed to do because it was really in trouble. And um, he walks around. He goes, oh, there was a tree there. I, we go, well, how do you know? He goes, well, just look at the grass. It doesn't grow as well there. That's because there's still roots under there, and they're taking a lot of the nutrients from the ground. I go, even after it's gone, even after it's gone. I thought that was just amazing. <laughs> um, for good or bad, our lives do not stop after we're gone. My parents and Terry's parents are still alive in us in ways that we don't even understand sometimes. Our lives are powerful. Our lives have influence forever, especially if we're one of God's daughters and we are spreading the news, the good news of the Lord around us. We will live forever in them. And five, roots are powerful. They can break rocks. Roots commonly grow into rocks. And if you break the rock open, you'll see that they not only, it's not only one root. There are several roots going into those rocks. We lived out, in, out west for 15 years in Idaho, and we saw rock, uh, plants growing in plain, blank, flat rock cliffs. They were just growing into the rocks. Love works its way into tough places and can break down the hardest hearts. So if we have roots, then we need soil in this metaphor. And of course, the soil is love. Another thing my grandmother was careful about was the soil. She measured, she made sure it was compounded the way she wanted it so the seeds would be nourished. Paul teaches that as we grow in Christ, we are rooted and grounded in him, in God's love. Life teaches us this as well, if we are aware. Christian growth is not about fame and fortune and the good life. Christian growth is 
the outcome of being rooted and grounding in none other than God himself. You see, 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. In other words, God equals love. When you see the word love, you could say God. In fact, you could interchangeably use the word love and God in many places in the Bible, and Paul does. We see in Ephesians, he said, rooted in, love, uh, rooted in God, and he said, in the other, maybe I have that backwards, but in the other one, he says, rooted in love. So it's, they can be used interchangeably. Um, it's true that in, the language, in our language, we throw around the word love like confetti, like I would love to have a man with those muscles. <laughs> that's not love, honey. That's lust. <laughs> I would love to get a hold of that bank account. That's not love. That's greed. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, what's that other word? When we want something that belongs to somebody else. <clears throat> if you love me, you will... That's not love. That's manipulation. I love that car, that dress, that house. We just use love as an all-purpose word for I like it. Or I love you. Is it human love or is it something else? The word in Greek that is translated love in many places in the Bible is for Christian love agape. I'm sure you've heard this in many sermons about it. Um, and we're going to look at a couple of verses here. Agape is not passion with its ebb and flow, its flicker and flame, nor is it easygoing and indulgent sentimentalism. When a Christian talks about a love life, it shouldn't be the same as the worldly idea of a love life. Real love is sacrifice. John 3.16 tells us God loved the world and he gave, he sacrificed. William Barclay is a Christian commentator and he writes, Christian love will always seek the highest and the best good for others and will accept all the difficulties, all the problems, and all the toil which the search involves. I love my children, so there isn't much that will keep me from doing everything I can for, the be for their good. It doesn't matter if it's hard for me to get up in the morning and fix the bottle. You know, it doesn't matter that I'm tired, but yet another diaper needs to be changed or another homework page needs to be worked on, <clears throat> or another sports thing has to be driven to. It's love. We're willing to sacrifice for those we truly love. From the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43, 48, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. Now it's I have great neighbors. I love them. I also have wonderful friends. I love them. 
But we don't worship a God who's afraid to tell us what's what. Our God is telling us and constantly tells us and gets right in the middle of our business and tells us what to do. And here he kicks it up a big notch because he said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Excuse me. Now you're really stepping on my toes. There's a couple of people that I have a hard time praying for. I don't know that I have very many enemies. It's not a very popular teaching, especially in a culture that seems to thrive on vitriol, violence, and vengeance, to be told, love your enemies. Do you know that the Jewish people at the time hated so the Samaritan people that if they saw them on the street, they would spit at the ground in front of them. They wouldn't spit at the person. But to let them know how much they hated them, they would spit at the ground next to them. And here is Jesus telling those very people, excuse me, love your enemies. And he uses the word agape. And he says, sacrificially love your enemies. Put yourself out for someone that you would rather hate. Help someone that you don't really want to be around. Care for someone who you do not get along with. We worked uh, for 20 years with orphans and um, abandoned children in Mexico. One of the women that we had the privilege of working with had been in the home when my husband went down as a 15-year-old high school kid to, on a mission trip. And he had met her and her family. Her mother had been very abusive toward her and her children. That's why the children were in our children's home. This woman grew up uh, later. Her name was Isaias, Isaias, but Isaias in Spanish. Beautiful woman, and we worked side by side in the school because she was close to our age. And as uh, time went on, she learned that her mother back in Oaxaca was dying and had no one to take care of. She brought her into her home. And she cared for her on to her deathbed. In fact, she cared for her sacrificially because this woman was still abusive and bitter and full of anger at life. And she still took it out on Isaias. She was very hard to live with. She was very demanding. And when I asked uh, Isaias about it one time, I said, how can you endure this? And she said, simply, I have to. I have to love her. She'd been raised to know Christ. 
She'd been raised to know that she had to obey Christ and sacrifice herself. And I admire her very much to this day. In the upper room discourse from John 14 to 17, we can read the last teachings of Jesus to his apostles. That's that whole big section of red letters in John where it's Jesus' speech. And in that last teaching session, Jesus had with his disciples before the crucifixion, it starts with, do not let your hearts be troubled. And it goes on to explain that basically everything in life hinges on love and obedience. Another Bible writer, Mark Moore, summarizes his whole teaching that night in these two observations. We must have absolute obedience to God. And love is laying down one's life. Love comes at a price. Jesus paid that price. And he asks us to join him in that. The word agape is used in that verse as well. In John 15, 9 to 10, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Again, agape love. If we are to abide in his love, we need to get to the point where we can follow Jesus to whatever cross he has allowed in our life. Now, I will admit, I have a hard time with why God allows some things. I worked with beautiful, innocent children for 20 years. We would take them in from birth to around nine years old, and depending on the situation, maybe older. Beautiful children. Why does God allow that? I don't know. Part of my cross was to observe that innocent children are sometimes brutalized and God allows it. Maybe my cross is to just let it go and follow him anyway. But I have to admit, it's hard to understand why. But when I get ready to ask God why, I feel and hear God saying, Good grief, woman, I put my son on a cross. I get what you're saying. So he knows. He knows what I feel. And he knows what you feel when you see injustice. And he says, there's a reason. Abide in my love. Our use of this metaphor of rooted in love, and our soil, our growing medium in that love that is God. It's all we need to survive. In case you haven't realized it, we are a part of the most wonderful and amazing love affair known to man. It's the love affair between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and us. We're included in that. It's amazing. So if we are to be a plant rooted in love, what does the fruit look like? 
The scriptures provide a theme, provided that our theme, say, tell us part of it. It's to be established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving, strength to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height. The fruit is, in part, a personal relationship with Jesus that pleases him and brings joy to him. I'm not going to talk a lot about what it gives us. I want to talk about what it gives him. It gives him joy that we are his and we are rooted in him and he sees this as beautiful. The second thing we have as the fruit of our life is our testimony or our witness to a world that shows Jesus through our actions and words. The spirit within us pulls us to want to share the love of Jesus with everyone we meet. And then the third thing is the unity we have that the world can never have and understand. According to Paul in Colossians 3, or 2, 3 and 4, we are to be knit together in love, in God, like the roots of those plants, to show the world how to live in peace. Christians don't unite around a cause. This may shake your world a little bit. We do not unite around a cause. The Jewish people were united around a cause, and it was totally against Christ. We are to unite around Jesus. Jesus is our reason. And he shows us when to take action that is effective and honors him. This fruit bearing comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within us. That the Lord is our life, that he's the Lord of our lives. And the kingdom of Christ is a multitude of people where Jesus is multiplied. In this room, there are a hundred and some Jesuses. His spirit walking around together. We can be drawn together by his spirit. And I want to say, if there is someone in your fellowship, for instance, that you just don't quite get, well, don't worry about it. Jesus gets them. And he's in you. And he can pull you to them. And you can learn to love. And you can discover wonderful things that you never thought of before because as we bring each other into our lives we grow and we experience what we can't experience by ourselves the spirit of god is not manifested by a feeling or an experience it's manifested when jesus is multiplied in us and our lives are characterized by Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. By the way, that is a description of God. The fruit of the Spirit in us. If you want to know God, go read those words over until you get it. Because that's who God is. And that's who God wants us to be. He doesn't want us walking down the street making everybody scared by our scowl. He doesn't want us to be screaming the head, our heads off at our kids. He wants us to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, the rest. That's what he wants. 
Colossians 3, 1 to 3 says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. In other places in Colossians, it says, Christ is your life. This kind of love life will heal broken hearts. This kind of love life will give us courage to meet the day. This is the love life that starts at home and goes out into the world. When I teach Christian parenting, I present the home as a test lab where the family works out the fruit of the Spirit together. Because none of us are perfect in this. And as we bounce off of each other within the four walls of our homes and go through the rough and rugged work of getting to know a spouse and raising children and nurturing one another and keeping food on the table and getting the bills paid and all of this using our God-given gifts, we have the perfect opportunity to practice being Jesus. And sometimes we forget that that's what we're supposed to be doing, that we're supposed to be Jesus. Another test lab is our world. When we go out into the world, what does the world see? How, does the pe- how do the people at Walmart see us? How do the, the people at the gas station see us? Do they see Jesus? If we can hang on to him, Satan can't rip us out by the roots. Let's take another look at those sticky notes. Living in the spirit of Christ is what makes you safe to be around. You will be someone else's safe place in the middle of the storm because you are stable and strong. And with God's help, we'll be able to witness and rescue and lift up. But let me give you one warning. If you, as conscientiously and earnestly as you can, live as Jesus in someone else's life, and there is an unsolvable problem, and your love doesn't solve it, and Jesus' love isn't getting through, please hear this. It's not your problem to solve. If you're doing what you can and the problem is not solved, it's a God-sized problem and you have to leave it at Jesus' feet. I want to quickly say my daughter is a better woman than I am. After 13 years of marriage, she learned that her husband had throughout the marriage been unfaithful and had a life that she knew nothing about. He was a minister. He was extremely smart. He was very successful in his ministry. Yet this was the life he lived. Understandably, my sorry, I'm going to be a little tiny bit. Over. Understandably, my uh, husband and I <clears throat> were no longer so happy with this guy. And when my husband talked to my daughter about 
what he wanted to do to this man. <laughs> Even as a Christian loving man that he is, he would have done it with great love. Um, <laughs> here's what Julie said. We will not give him any charge to hold against us. We will do everything we can to show forgiveness and love. I thought right then, I didn't do too bad by her. <laughs> no, she is way beyond me. You know, the world is telling us to identify with whatever we want. You know, that's the opposite of rooted in love, which is a godly command, because God tells us to identify with him. So let's all take a, uh, a promise, make a promise today. Let's promise to identify with God. And I want you to go back to your little note that you put in your folder. And I want you to write across the top of it, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Write Colossians 3, 12 through 17. As you do that, I'm going to read it because this is your part of solving the problem. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You put on love. You can't put love on someone else. They have to put on love. But we can be patient with them while they do. <laughs> um, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, your, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. Thank you, ladies. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Carol, for those words. I think we're all going to be thinking about those for a long time and looking back at the notes. I, I have a word, and I don't want to deal with it, but I'm going to go back and deal with it with collagens, so thank you. Um, so now we have some free time and activity time. So if you are in Group A, go on into the gym for jewelry making. If you're not in Group A, you get to just visit here or in the fellowship room or in the gym. And let's all meet back here for our next session at 11.45. Okay, thank you.